As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. All right, everybody working up. Everybody's working. With that time, yours. I don't want to overpromise and underdeliver, but I think there's a pretty good chance that today's episode of Times Ours is going to have a little bit of everything. We've got a good dug-in film review by the one and only Seth Kaiser. I was out there at Chiefs press conferences with the esteemed Nate Taylor, and we got some real fun stuff from the Chiefs pressers on this Thursday as we record right now. And we're looking ahead to a Sunday night football primetime game with one of the Chiefs' biggest, maybe their biggest non-divisional rival in the AFC. Again, it's Seth Kaiser, Nate Taylor. I am Joshua Briscoe. This is Times Ours, and the presenting sponsor for today's episode of Times Ours is Visa, a network working for everyone. Nate, I'll start with you, and we can take our big overarching view here. We've got one game in the books that we talked about earlier in the week, but we knew that Chiefs-Ravens was going to happen again. It got scheduled for week two. It got scheduled for Sunday Night Football. The Chiefs had a full a full roster of full participants in practice today. The Ravens are decimated by injuries. Again, it's just a little bit of everything, it feels like, for this week's game. It does. The only thing that I miss is that um, this game, of course, is on NBC. It is not on ESPN. But if it were, like it was last year, we, we probably would have had Lewis Riddick on. So um, <laughs> I knew when the schedule came out that the Chiefs were probably going to be 1-0. What I did not anticipate, and it's incredibly unfortunate, is that we have now started to see tweets on Twitter of just all the dudes who have suffered season-ending injuries for the Ravens Mm -hmm. in one tweet. And you may not think that's a lot of people, but that's like almost 11 folks deep now. Um, So the Ravens understandably kind of stumble out of the gate against the Las Vegas Raiders. Um, The Raiders really pulled off, you know, a pretty well-executed fourth quarter in overtime. I mean, shout out to them, kind of. Um, you know, obviously, you want to see it a little bit more. But I do think that this game will have um, still a large impact on the landscape of the AOC just because there's another chance for the Chiefs to kind of show up in Baltimore and do what they did last year under somewhat different circumstances, but you may have the same result. I'll get the full injury list out here in a second. But, Seth, how do you feel about the, the rivalry at this point, in this game at this point? Because it, it really is an incredibly fun matchup that does, in this case, of course, include a lot of injuries for Baltimore right now. I feel like there are a lot of rivalries that are comparable to the current iteration of the Chiefs versus the current iteration of the Ravens. A few examples would be like John Wick versus Random Henchmen. Um, perhaps... Uh, the guys from Remember the Titans against every team they played. Um, you know, no Godzilla, doubt. Godzilla versus Tokyo. Um, <laughs> I knew this was going to th- be disrespectful. There are, you know, here's the, here's the thing. The Ravens are a really good football team that cannot beat the Chiefs. And maybe they will this time, any given Sunday. They have the same chance that any other team that lines up. I was more nervous about the Browns. And we'll see. Who knows? Maybe they come out now and win by 40. You never know. 
But eh. at, to date, I was going to give you a hard time right out of the gate for like rivalry. Like, uh, was it really a rivalry when one team's hey, constantly hey, Seth, beating the other? Seth, it's about the quarterbacks. We got to, we got to. We gotta make them. Oh, we gotta make them feel like this is a marquee match. This is two former MVPs. This is that, two dynamic dual threat quarterbacks. This is a coach, maybe out coaching his pupil, but that's here or there. Okay. This is this is. It's not even. It's not even Patrick Mahomes against the Ravens defense. It's the Ravens defense against their own refusal to stop blitzing Patrick Mahomes. (laughs) That's the thing I'm most excited to see Sunday. Because one or two, I mean, are they going to finally stop it? You have to. Or are they going to figure out a way that works? Like, maybe. I'm going to break character here, Josh. I'm... I know this man's name. I don't want to say his name, but I, I, I know his name. It's 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 Martindale. Da, 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 you, you ain't gotta do it like this. You you wink. Hey wink, baby, wink. You ain't gotta blitz. You know, like I uh, Go ahead, Josh. They call him Wink, not Blink, man. He's not gonna change it. He's not gonna change in the face of adversity. He's not gonna change his entire MO. He is going to blitz Patrick Mahomes and the Ravens are going to lose. Like I do think that, that is going to happen. But look, I, I, I just, I just I know. Like the, I, I don't like watching the Ravens. I guess I don't know. I, can I, can I just admit that I like, I like. I think this football yeah, team is good, interesting. They're a good team. They're a fun team to watch. They do a lot of fun <laughs> things in terms of like. Um, not just fun, but smart things in terms of going forward on fourth down, trying to take yeah. advantage of all four downs, playing to their players' strengths, all of this stuff. And really, I think if we weren't Chiefs fans, as it were, um, I-, I think we would appreciate them even more. Um, it's just they are fun to watch. They just – they – cannot beat the Chiefs. And it's not even like, I I was going to compare it to the Chiefs uh, quote-unquote rivalry with the Patriots from Mm -hmm. a few years ago, but at least the Chiefs beat the Patriots in the regular season sometimes. Like, never when it counted. But it's it's more like how the Chiefs and the Steelers rivalry was for like three years. Remember that? The Steelers would just shellack the Chiefs constantly. And then they beat them in the playoffs, and it was just so disheartening. Remember when they beat them like fifty to nothing or whatever it was I think on it was, national? Yeah, it was on a Sunday night. And I'm barely exaggerating there. Yeah. I mean, um, we, as oh. I as I like to tell some fans, you know, this is one of the moments that kind of marks uh, before Patrick Mahomes. There's this little national television drama called "This Is Us." And I'm not joking, y'all. In the first season, because obviously it's, you know, it's in the setting of Pittsburgh. Obviously, the the, the family, the couple, Steelers fans. Uh, I believe it is the the daughter of the family who is like, I can't go out. I got to watch my Steelers. And then NBC, because, you know, it's an NBC show. It's like, well, what video of recent Steelers games can we put on the TV, you know, to give it that game day Feel. Yeah, it was the Chiefs beating. It was it was the Steelers beating the Chiefs by, by oh, about, by about forty points. You know, in, in prime time. <laughs> and that was like the seventeenth saddest thing on that episode of This Is Us. <laughs> <laughs> I got it now. I gotta see what the what that's the score to that game at. Was that forty five to seven? Yeah, that's yeah. what it looks like. Yeah. That's back in two thousand and six. And it you wasn't. Guys, you guys that, are carrying some. It, it wasn't that close. You yeah. mean two thousand sixteen? No, that game was 2006. 2016 was 43 to 14. There we go. I'm oh. on fo- I'm on footballdb.com and I just looked for a 40 <laughs> and I I missed 26. I was like 2006. You guys are carrying some really old some old pain there. But yeah, 2016 a little closer, 43 to 14. And and this is us premiered when uh, <laughs> September 20th, 2016. There we go. There but that's wow. that's that's the state of the Chiefs-Ravens rivalry right now. I mean, Lamar Jackson called them their boogeyman last year, and now they're going to play him in week two after a tough loss. Um, we'll see. I, I'll just say it this way. In terms of individual matchup, knowing anything could happen, I think the Ravens are a better team than the Raiders overall. Mm-hmm. In, yes. terms of, in terms of matchup, I would be more worried about the Raiders than I am about the Ravens. Wow. Huh. 
Well, I, I'm, I'm fascinated to see if the Ravens um, behind their home crowd on a primetime game yep. for the home opener will have some of the same emotions uh, that the Raiders had. But I don't know. I mean, because it, it's weird. It's like there should be a true understanding of the Chiefs from the Ravens' perspective, the problem is they just they may not have the weapons, um, and that was mm. certainly the case a year ago. Um, not much of that has probably changed, but there's you know I won't be surprised if it's a game in the second half on Sunday. Uh, I want to make that clear, but you know the Ravens will have to um, really summon something that's kind of a lot to ask for in week two when you just have so many injuries that I know you're going to get to Josh, but. Um, but that's sort of the assignment. And I think for the Chiefs, a lot of it is, you know, how business-like can you be on the first road trip of the season, knowing that you, you know, started the game out, you know, down, you know, 15 to three, like they obviously don't want that to occur. So, um, it won't be what it is from last Sunday, but there are, there are variables for this. I'll shoot either of you guys a, a sweet 10 bucks on Venmo if you can tell me who caught the first touchdown pass or who, who scored the first touchdown. It was a it was a pass for the uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers in this game on 2016. And then we can move on to the Ravens game again. Was it, was it, was it Antonio Brown? He caught the second and third touchdown passes of the oh first quarter. Of God, the just... first quarter. It was 36 to nothing in the third, by the oh way. Oh, my gosh. They just worked them over. It was so bad. Chris Conley led the Chiefs in receiving. I remember that. But I remember, the first, do you want to do you want to put out a guess real quick, Seth? I have no idea. I have blotted that out. Do you guys even remember that Darius Hayward Bay played for the Steelers? Because oh, I forgot. Yeah. I totally forgot that he was a Steeler for a hot minute. Good lord. This is a nice reminder. You know how like, I, you, sometimes you save the best for last. Maybe you appreciate the dessert a little more, uh, you know, if you think about how long it's been since you had it, whatever. This is just sort of to help you appreciate the fact that Seth pretty much just said that the Ravens could kiss his bleep because he is not afraid of them losing this game. And I'm reminding you that, you know, the Chiefs got clowned by Darius. Darius Hayward Bay was there for like four, five years? What? <laughs> he didn't play a lot. The things, <laughs> the things you learn. Look, all, all of this is to say is at at some point, I would feel like the coaches meeting, probably today, honestly, on a Thursday, you know, as you sort of solidify what you're going to do on Sunday uh, for most NFL coaching staffs, everybody just comes to Wink Martindale and says, Wink, you ain't, you know, it, it, it I just have the Kendrick Lamar song in my head weirdly but it's like you ain't you ain't got a blitz you ain't got a you ain't got a lot of kick it you don't <laughs> you don't have to you don't got a lot of kick it you don't got a blitz die <laughs> just Wink. just stop just Wink. see just, if you can get pressure too, with four just see too, too deep hell be three deep okay yeah. let's get three safeties deep and just Make like the- and let's just let's just play you know they've got really athletic linebackers to try to cover Kelsey if they don't talk to the Browns before the game maybe they'll give that a shot <laughs> i like say like okay look we're going to we're going to you guys got to throw the ball to Travis Kelsey 30 times to beat us which they ironically tried that game plan with Darren Waller too yep. so i i just we'll, you, we'll ain't, see. you ain't got a blitz you ain't got a blitz yeah they, they you really, don't have to blitz wink <laughs> I am curious to see if they try something else. My mind was blown last year, and we talked about it. And I know we're kind of jumping around early and often here. But last year, we talked about, after the game, how unbelievable it was to us that the Ravens hadn't learned anything from mm-hmm. the shellacking that they took in 2019, right? That, yep. that that game wasn't nearly as close to the final score. And we we went in assuming you'd see a dif- different defensive game plan. And then they did the exact same thing in 2020. Not only did they do the same thing, they kept doing it throughout the game. I wrote about it afterwards that it was it was the whole Einstein definition of insanity. You're just like, wow, I don't know. He beat the blitz the first 10 times. You know what we ought to do is we, if we blitz an 11th time, he'll never see it coming. And... What was he like? Ten for ten for nine million yards and twenty eight touchdowns against the Blitz, something like that. Yeah, yeah. I'll look. I'll look it up here in a minute. But I just, I just want to remind people, Baltimore was healthy when they decided we're just gonna be who we are. That's they're yeah. not healthy. 
I yeah. I agree with both of you one thousand percent that blitzing Patrick Mahomes is a death sentence. But also, you tell me who's going to cover anybody right now. And so I, I do think that just hey, why don't you put every safety you have on the field and just see, just do something wacky, yeah, yeah. and three, not just hey, blitz. Let's play three D eight back rush three. We'll see you in the red zone. And yeah. Pray yeah, to yeah, God we hold yeah, you to three. Yeah. We'll let Clyde yeah. Edwards-Alaire rush for 250 yards yes. on 30 carries. What's the is, is that really worse than getting ripped to shreds by Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey? Like, you can't let what happened to the Browns happen to you where the Chiefs all offseason were like, oh, what about their other weapons after those two? And then week one, the Chiefs were like, why on earth would we throw it to anyone else? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which was just so hey, tremendous. Hey, hey, wait, hey, wait. Here's another free one, dog. Don't blitz. Three deep. Drop eight. See in the red zone. But you have to double Travis Kelsey because, again, he's the – Indicator in the red zone. And don't you put, don't you do that to Patrick Queen. I love Patrick Queen too yeah, much do that, to be out player. here watching this man shake his head in disgust because y'all put him up against the Hall of Famer. Yeah. They, they are in a harder place right now than they were last time. And last time it didn't work. It's just crazy. It's, and it's also, it's week two. Uh, so let me just give you a list of things. And I, honestly, I think I'm probably going to miss something. Um, but let me just give you a, a, a rundown here of the injuries that the Ravens have suffered. Like, and these are impactful ones. Today we found out that Chris Westry, cornerback who played a, a decent chunk against the Ravens, tore his meniscus. So they're they're down an extra corner there. In addition to uh, running back J.K. Dobbins out, running back Gus Edwards out, running back Justice Hill out. Wide receiver Rashad Bateman, who we talked about on this show, I'm sure, a number of times in the pre-draft process. Yeah. He's out. Uh, right now, they're only, you know, Sammy Watkins is healthy, which is, that's where that, because Miles Boykin, wide receiver, yes. he's out. Yeah. Uh, Ronnie Staley, ankle injury, he's out. Guard Tyree Phillips, uh, Ronnie Staley, the tackle. Uh, guard Tyree Phillips, out. Marcus Peters, out. Chris Westry, just mentioned the torn meniscus. That list, by the way, courtesy of Matthew Betts on Twitter. Thank you, Matthew, for making my job a little bit easier. And Ronnie Stanley, Staley there, I mentioned, Stanley, excuse me, I mentioned there, because uh, Jason Lockenfora tweeted out earlier today that they're expecting to be without him this week, because he and maybe longer, because he's going through some more medical testing. And also, Lockenfora mentions that Alejandro Villanueva, who was bad on Monday, he was straight up, nobody on the broadcast was trying to to sugarcoat it. Nobody on Twitter was lying to themselves. He was bad on Sunday. He's moving to left tackle. Uh, I've never heard of Patrick McCary, but he's moving to right tackle apparently. And man, if you're Chris Jones, you want to make that defensive player of the year campaign that Seth mentioned last week. You want to make, you want to make that train start moving a little bit quicker. Good time to do that. Frank Clark, a full participant in practice yesterday and today. You want to make your comeback? Go ahead and do it against these tackles because it looks rough there right now for the Ravens. Uh, can I can I give the Patrick Mahomes statistical line from Week Three against Baltimore last year? I'd love nothing more. Healthy defense, by the way. Um, he completed 31 of 42 passes for 385 yards, four touchdowns, no turnovers. Good God. All right, here we go with the advanced stats. Um, the Ravens blitzed him with five or more defenders uh, rushing the passer, 45% of his dropbacks. God, what? Why? Here's was his – here. anybody want to take a guess on what his completion percentage yep. is? And this was based on uh, – this is stats from True Media and Pro Football Focus. I, I don't even remember. I just remember it was horrendous. Like um, I mean, it, for them. Yes. Yeah. Uh, uh, anybody want to take? You want to take a guess, Josh? What his completion percentage was when the Ravens pushed five or more defenders at him at the snap of the ball? I mean, it was. I think it was bonkers. Like it was like 90 percent. I, I was gonna say eighty to ninety percent. I'm not close. Sure. I'm, close. Close. It was seventy three point eight. Was his completion percentage for a yards per attempt of nine point? One seven. Seventy-three <laughs> percent nine yards at a time will play. That will play, I think. I yeah. think they should not do that again this year. I wrote after that game um that it was the best game he'd ever played that I charted. I I charted four inaccurate passes that entire game. Um as opposed to 35 accurate passes. Um, I mean, he he was unbelievable. It was so 
funny. But that's what I wrote after that game, that that was literally the best game he'd ever played in terms of creating yards when he needed to, but also playing really well within structure. Yes. Yep. Completely agree. So, again, Wink, you ain't got it. You ain't got to blitz. You ain't got to do that. Just, you know, I'm sure. I'm sure. Man, even the special teams coaches are probably coming to Wink like, hey, man, look, <laughs> look. I know it's not my forte. I know it's not my place. And I don't even know who the special teams coordinator is for the Baltimore Ravens. But you got to come to Wink. In in the lunchroom, in the bathroom, in the meetings, in the, in the walkthrough. Hey, man, you sure you want to do this? I love the visual of the special teams coordinators just standing in the bathroom, just staring at his phone for four hours waiting for Wink to walk in. He <laughs> walks through, hey, Wink, hey, you know what? I was just, hey, man, I was just thinking real quick since I got you here. Just thinking, do you ever consider not blitzing Patrick Mahomes like a whole bunch this week? I just, I don't know, man. I was just thinking about it. I was just sitting if, here on the toilet playing Angry Birds, but what, I don't know. What if John Harbaugh was like, I need to really, in my heart, not say a word this entire week? To wink, I don't want you to say the word wink. I need to tear lasso this thing up, and I need you to be Coach Beard. I need you to be Roy Kent. I need you to be Nathan. Like I need you to be Sam. Like does he just point to people and like look? I'm not saying that he's you know Jamie Tart, but his strategy is pretty Jamie Tartish. So like let's just as a community, I don't need to say anything. Just, you know, special teams coordinator going to come out here and tell you how it is. <laughs> no blitz. Hell, Greg Roman. Hey, where's Greg? Where Greg, here, here's what I got. <laughs> I know. I, I look, I look, look, look. I know Chris Jones is kind of a complicated thing. It looks like Tyron Matthews is going to be back. Uh, we're putting a lot on, on Lamar's shoulders as it is. I just need you to go across the hall and tell we don't blitz. Okay. Can you do that for me? Uh, where's where's the where's where's the owner? Where's the owner? Can the owner come around? Like this this came up like 15 times in the last two days at pressers. So maybe maybe we, it's been in front of us this whole time. You know who needs to go into Wink's office? Sammy Watkins just needs to wander in and be like, Hey, Wink, you know what? I was just you know I, I played with these guys for a while. You know what? I just remembered. I don't know if you, you. I'm sure you knew this already, but man, you know what? We should not be doing. We should not blitz Patrick Mahomes because that dude will slice us up. And maybe that's Sammy Watkins. Maybe that's his uh, his extra contribution this week. That makes sense. That makes sense. I feel like he's our messenger on this one. Yeah, he. Like we solved. It, it would blow my mind if they if they tried a similar game plan to what they've done the last few years. It worked in 2018. Um, a lot of what they did in terms of gamesmanship, showing a lot of bodies up front, doing a lot of different um, a lot of different looks, having a lot of bodies standing up at the line of scrimmage. It's something Belichick did in 2018 that bugged him. So a bunch of teams started imitating that, and the Ravens had a lot of success with it. Well, not a lot. I mean, the Chiefs still won the game, but they, he he looked more Mahomes looked more mortal before the whole fourth down craziest play I've ever seen. Oh live. God, well, I forgot about that play. If you if you also forgot about that play, just Google that one and just remember what that looked like. Yeah, well, that was the game of the no look pass. I mean, that was yeah. the game. I mean, he did some stuff that game. Um, but but the the pressure really bothered him. But that hasn't that stuff hasn't really worked well since 2018. And I really didn't think they'd do it. So I'm I'm excited to see if I'm my mind's going to be blown again. Um, but I think they might have to blitz because I'm not sure. Don't don't I don't no, think what you what the what you no no they gonna hear this, Seth? No. <laughs> By the way, the special teams, sh- the special teams coordinator is Chris Horton. So Chris, um, look, <laughs> we know Justin Tucker's good. You ain't got to worry about it this week. Um, hey, make sure your punter catches the snap, and can <laughs> you tell Wink to not blitz? <laughs> so I just don't know that the 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 Ravens can get pressure on Mahomes with four. Right. Um, Justin Houston can play. Kaylee's Campbell can play. They're not hurt, are they? Not no, yet. they are not on the list right now. Not, not yet. Not, yeah. not yet, as as far yeah. as we know. And, um, I mean, and I say that in the most loving way. I'm just... Yeah, anytime, not a threat. <laughs> any, no, no, no. Anytime I see a tweet from a reporter and it says Ravens at front, I'm like, here we go. Take a deep mm-hmm. breath. It's similar to the Niners last year. It was just like, okay, yeah. Niners dot dot. Oh, boy. No. Yeah. You know. It's all gone. I, I'm just trying to figure out 
they, I mean, because Derek Wolf hasn't been practicing as well, right? Yeah, they, he he's probably going to be an up in the air decision. Um, sure, based on what we know so far into Thursday. Yeah, because I, I would say that I don't think they don't have as top heavy a pass rush as the Browns do, and I'm not sure they have as good of one overall. Because um, Campbell isn't, he's not Campbell from three years ago, right? Mm-hmm. He's still very good, but he's, it, I mean, he's not as good rushing the passer as he used to be. Um, and Houston is still good, but he's not what he was, you know, in 14 or whatever. Neither of them are Miles Garrett or even mm-hmm. close, at least in terms of production. And and the, the Browns do have a few secondary guys that are pretty solid. And the Browns got some pressure on Mahomes, but it's not like it was consistent enough to really mess with the Chiefs throughout the day when the Chiefs didn't have self-inflicted errors. And so I think what the Ravens might say is, well, we can't get pressure with four, so we have to. And that's the problem that the Chiefs create for teams that don't have, you know, a Bosa, right? Or that don't have um, multiple really, really, really good pass rushers. They're, I think teams think that they have to blitz. And my answer is, honestly, I, I really think it's just maybe at least try it out early and see if your front four can do something you're not expecting. Yeah. Remember, remember it's the worth time, a shot. Yeah. Remember the time in Madden, Josh? Because uh, Seth's too old. Um <laughs> Remember the time in Madden Jeez. where you would be at the 10-yard line with your buddy and you're like, man, he really cooked me using Mike Vick or whoever to get down yeah. the field. And you would just start pulling defensive linemen off the line of scrimmage. Yes, yes, absolutely. <laughs> hey, 11 defenders, here's your zone. Come at us. <laughs> yeah. God, oh, like, no pass rush. We basically hijacked the math and it's 11 on your five receivers. Do something. I just want somebody to do that. Okay. I kind of really do want somebody to do that. Hey. Same. Justin. Justin. Hey, hey. Um, Before this snap, don't go anywhere near the line of scrimmage. Don't rush the quarterback. Just let's like, hey, we all know he's going to do some backyard football stuff. Why don't we do it to him? See what happens. We're already on the team. We already gave up 90% of the field. So, like, if they want to go for it on fourth down, they're going to have to come through 11 defenders all on their feet, eyes to the quarterback, kind of seeing where the receivers are, but just pull dudes off the line of scrimmage. This honestly just came into my head, but I kind of want somebody to do it, where it's just like, <laughs> who cares about your alignment? Once we know you're passing, they are worthless. Right, they're guys. stuck there. They can't, it's not like Joe Tooney can go catch a pass. Right. I think this is where we fix the math. Right. I mean, you still just have those five guys. Now, now, you're stuck I, there. Now, honestly, you would only do this in, like, open, or you would hope that, okay, if they're in shotgun, he's not going to hand it off to Clyde, right? Or, you know, mm-hmm. we don't want the offensive mm-hmm. line to get a head start. But if they go empty, if, yes. the, if the running back motions out, everybody get off the, off the line of scrimmage. <laughs> And then Patrick Queen just is starting seven yards off the line of scrimmage, and he just Braveheart yells, freedom, and just (laughs) full sprint, not even trying to do anything other than just not Creed Humphrey over or something. And that's just, and that's your play. You drop 10, send one, and see if you can freak Mahomes out. Exactly. I mean, we got to start doing things. Look, I know that we all appreciate Matt Rule for him making the most November game enjoyable in all of our lives, but hey, why, why not? Why not? I don't know why more people aren't looking at that game last year and where they were just like, okay, we are not as good. We're going to do some stuff. Like, you know, there was no idea that was off the table. It was kind of like that scene from The Office where Michael Scott was like, no bad ideas, no bad ideas. He's just (laughs) writing everything down on the board and it just writes down literally everything. And that's what it feels like their game plan was. And when you're the Ravens and you're this injured, I mean, we'll see. The NFL is crazy, and and depth in the NFL is usually more talented than people think. Mm. The Chiefs are not usually a get-right team. Like, they're not a team you want to be facing when you're trying to get right. Um, They just faced a really good Cleveland team that did almost everything right and still lost. And so I, I just, we'll, we'll see any given Sunday, right? And that's why it's so much fun to watch because it feels like it's games like this where the Chiefs are like, you know what we're going to do? We're going to have this come down to the final play because this is one we should really win. And then my heart, I lose another year of my life. And <laughs> that's, that's sports fandom for you. 
this team is going to give us all gray hairs soon, like sooner than we need them, right? Like, I mean, other than Seth at this point, already I'm sure has several. Um, <laughs> what? When did the when did the age thing become like the? Joke I don't know. Of this? Nate opened the door, and I decided yeah, to walk well, yeah, through yeah, it. There. That was unexpectedly hurtful, but you know, whatever. That's all. That's fine. At least Nate came and said hi to me at the game. So, <laughs> yeah, listen, man. Heart. If you wanted, if you wanted me to explain to Renee why we couldn't do anything for a birthday, because I had to go get tased by you <laughs> yeah. in a barbecue parking lot, you then you feel free. Otherwise, I'll see you when you come down in November or whatever. Yeah, I think that's fair. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Um, there are a couple different ways you could look back at the Browns game in terms of what the Chiefs were and weren't able to do to slow down the uh, the Browns pass rush. And if you'd like to read about it with gifts and everything, you can oh. go do that at the uh, the Chief in the North newsletter right yes. now, mnchiefsfan.substack.com. You can go check out Seth's latest piece that just dropped earlier today about Orlando Brown Jr. and Lucas Niang. The floor is yours, my much, 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 much older friend. Tell me about the Chiefs tackles. Well, when I was watching the Chiefs tackles, <laughs> they looked like nice boys. I put a, so, I put a, a coin in the Nickelodeon and rewatched the All Twenty Two. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I mean, I, I wouldn't say I watched the All Twenty Two, Josh. I mean, yeah, sorry, all, I, it's not publicly available. In my, right in, in, my in my day, it in the my fact day, that I could even see twenty two people on the field at a time was a miracle because they each were one pixel. <laughs> <laughs> I can't read any of their numbers. Oh, man. So um, I, I asked Twitter, the great Twitterverse. Um, well, the Twitterverse. I what asked it, the uh, birds. I'm done. I asked the birds. I'm done. Oh, God. No, this is a terrible bit that we need that to stop. That one was funny. I disagree, um, but I, I, so, it can't stop. So the, 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 the theme of the game. So I was at the game live. It was an awesome experience. That's one reason you guys, I still haven't listened. I have no idea what horrible things you said about me on Monday. I were um, nicer to you when you can't hear us, which is weird. That's fair. That's how you know you're real friends. I think that's, that's right. Yeah, yeah. We talk all our crap right to your face. Yeah. Um, so the, uh, the, the, the narrative of the game that kind of emerged immediately afterward was, you know, because Mahomes did take a critical third down sack. That was a really bad looking one. Um, we'll start with that. That particular sack, it's something worth noting. Mahomes dropped back 10 yards. It was too far. That said, it was still a loss for both of the tackles on that play. So both two things can be true at once, right? Mm -hmm. And and that's to, to cover plays like that. That really was a play where both tackles could have done a better job. And then also it's worth noting if you rewatch that particular play, and this is going to fit into the overall narrative and where I'm going. You note that Lucas Niang's guy was a lot more shallow in terms of where he was coming around the edge than Orlando Brown's guy. Right. Mm. So Miles mm. Garrett collected the sack, but he was 10 yards deep. Niang's guy was like eight yards deep and you don't want that. Right. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to go back and take a look because I thought the tackles and Josh, you and I talked about them on Tuesday. Um, I thought the tackles were okay. Um, especially considering quality of competition when you're talking about Orlando Brown to a lesser extent, Lucas Niang Clowney is one of those players that like, he's good, but like, it's not like he's Miles Garrett. Right. Mm -hmm. So, I wanted to figure out how they played, and the only way to do that... Nate, what is the only way to determine how an offensive lineman played? Uh... <laughs> did he... Did he finish the game? <laughs> <laughs> is it so, guessing? Is the answer you're looking for guessing? Guessing, yes. Reading, oh, oh, you oh, watch, oh, oh, reading Twitter. Yeah, oh, you, read, no, well, you watch, I mean, the, hi you watch the highlights of the game. What? 
and you yes. watch the players during no. that highlights, or you just try to remember. Um, I actually had you just try to remember. No. I, I had a wonderful interaction with someone on Twitter who, if Twitter? you're a listener, had a, hats off to you. No, it really was a nice interaction. Someone said to me, "Hey, Jones was great as a pass rusher. I'm pretty worried about the fact that the Browns really went after him early in the game." In the run game. And mm. I said, you know, I've only made it through the first drive, but I don't think they ran it. They never once. ran it near this man. <laughs> well, and then and then he actually came back later. He said, you know what? Last night I was going to sleep. I turned on the game real quick, and I got through like the first quarter before falling asleep, and they didn't run at him once, so I don't know what to tell you. And <laughs> it, he was great about it, but it's a good demonstration of our memories suck. Yeah. Mine too. I don't chart things. I don't take notes when I'm watching the game. I'm jumping up and down at Arrowhead and screaming, ah! On third down. Uh, that's so, how, that sounds like a much more pleasurable experience than oh, being in a so press box trying to analyze the game as it's happening and then reminding fans at halftime, it's okay. I love that. That is my favorite bit you do. So what's everyone think at halftime? And the world was ending Sunday. <laughs> Man, it took one half of football for fans to turn on Steve Spagnolo. It's like, ah, he's been pretty good. But that's besides the point. So yes. what we do, what we have to do, if you want to know how an offensive lineman played, it's not enough to know how, how he did on some plays, etc. You got to know how he did every, every snap. So I charted every snap of Orlando Brown and Lucas Niang. And what I found, and this is all available, it's for subscribers only, Chief of the North newsletter, bit.ly slash Seth really hates money, $12 a year, et cetera, et cetera. Um, what I found, well, here, Josh, do you want me to start with Orlando Brown or Lucas Niang? Let's start with Brown. Let's do okay. that. So with Brown, I charted him as having five total pass blocking losses on the day. Um, in those losses, he gave up two pressures, a hit, and a sack. Because the quality of competition was of such that if he gave up a loss, Miles Garrett rarely does not take advantage of such things, right? Mm -hmm. But the thing is, five losses in a game where they threw the ball as much as they did against high-quality competition... Josh, ask me to make a list. Or uh, rather, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to involve you in this bit. I'm going to make a list for you, though. Of the, of the names of all the players besides Miles Garrett who beat Orlando Brown on Sunday. Are you ready? Yeah, yeah, go ahead. Here it is. Okay. Whenever you're ready. Go ahead yeah, and yeah, just start. Ahead, ahead, Whenever you're ready, go ahead, Seth. I mean, I heard, players I've, that Orlando Brown Jr. lost to that were not Miles Garrett. Go. I mean, I, I've, and, heard, I've, I've heard that Clowney guy's pretty good. And yeah. it just occurred to me that I sometimes drop out unexpectedly and you guys have no idea whether that's what's happening or not. No one. Zip. Nada. Zero. Now you're I, saying I, knew, I don't I, I don't recognize I, those names. Yeah, I know I know what you were doing because I, I read because I read oh. the story. Yes, yes, I read yes. your story. We are we are avid readers of Chief. So, yeah, that's right. So I subscribe. Orlando and read. Brown. Brown didn't lose once to anyone else, and I actually included a, a fun video clip of him against uh, of McK against McKinley and just destroying him. Yeah, and it was it was very fun. It's very good. The Chiefs spent the entire game having their tackles direct the pass rushers wide and counting on their interior line to hold up and create a pocket for Mahomes to step up in. Generally speaking, pocket depth is usually between eight or nine yards. I think with the Chiefs, it's probably that nine-yard mark is, is what I've been told. I have no idea if that's true or not. Um, and that's what they did over and over. So if you go back and you specifically watch, if you watch just the first drive, Brown had three of his losses on that first drive alone. Hmm. And I was worried because mm -hmm. like, Mahomes got hit on an RPO early, and I was like, oh, no. Because, I mean, he got hit, like, in the mm -hmm. very first snap. After that, he won much more than he lost against Miles Garrett, who, by the way, he's not an Aaron Donald level of freak, because no one is, but he's about as close as it gets yeah. in terms of freakiness. And, and also in terms of guys who can threaten the edge but also have the ability to convert speed to power because he's so strong. And he did not beat Orlando Brown inside just one-on-one -on -one once mm -hmm. because Brown's too strong, too big, got too much length. And overall, Brown's loss percentage was under 10%, which is what my, you know, if you're going to be a starter, it should be below 10%. But against elite competition, and Miles Garrett is about as elite as it gets, generally speaking, if you hold to 10%, that's a great game. And so overall, Brown, when I upon rewatching, he played really well. He 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 had a few bad losses, which we knew was going to happen. But most of the day, Miles Garrett was relegated to sprinting around the back of the pocket over and over 
and over again, just like everyone else does against Orlando Brown, because he's just too big, strong, lengthy to beat inside. On the sprinting around the back of the pocket thing, I, I wanted to mention this partially just because uh, Nate is at you know every press conference and every Zoom all, all forevermore. I hadn't been out to the Chiefs facilities in like uh, since the before the AFC Championship game. Two years ago, of 20, I think of, of 2019. That's right. Yeah, because it was all it was all virtual and things have all been different. But um, yesterday when we were out there, both Mahomes and Orlando Brown Jr. talked, and I and that was something that had caught my eye. And again, we're we're really talking about like five plays on on this for Brown and Mahomes, but it had just come up so many times over the course of training camp that the thing the two of them were working on all the time was communication and learning each other's tendencies. And we talked about that on this show a billion times, the differences between Orlando Brown Jr. and how he plays versus how Eric Fisher plays and how, you know, Mahomes has talked literally since, uh, if not his rookie year, his first year as a starter, about drifting back in the pocket, and he mentioned it again. I did not ask specifically about that, but he brought up, you know, the drifting is the thing he wanted to work on uh, whenever I asked about him and Brown and kind of where they're working and and Orlando Brown also did uh, absolutely no sort of sharing the blame on like he just said he has to play better which again we're talking about him playing better against Miles Garrett but whenever you you looked at all of that Seth through that particular little snippet of them working on pocket uh, on on drop depth and the pocket and stepping up into it and and you know was there a time that Orlando Brown maybe had Miles Garrett running around the back that Mahomes then walked into or was there a time that Brown made a mistake that maybe Mahomes wasn't expecting him to make uh what did you did you did you see anything to that effect noting also as I tried to also bring up when asking them about this that this is their first actual game together and something that will not stay stagnant at this level right now sure I didn't see as much of that as I expected. I thought it was going to be problematic given, like you said, it's their first real live action. They're facing an elite competition. They left Brown on an island a fair amount Mm -hmm. against Miles Garrett, which is hard to do. Um, I saw a few times where Mahomes stepped up in maybe a direction that, or not usually up, usually back in a direction Mm -hmm. that Brown wasn't expecting, but it wasn't nearly as often as I expected. I did see two different plays where I think Brown and Joe Tooney are working on their timing with reach blocks, Mm -hmm. um, where Tooney's going to need to get used to the fact that Brown needs an extra tenth of a second to get there. He just does. So Tooney can't abandon it. That's what happened on the first run that got blown up, right? Um, But it wasn't as much as I would have thought. And that impressed me. Yeah. Um, and I also, I read that wonderful article you wrote about some of those wonderful questions you asked. Thank you so much. And uh, and it was interesting to me to hear Orlando Brown basically say, well, I've got to be better. It's like, well, you played well mm-hmm. against one of the best players you're going to see all year. And I saw he also was going, like, he's saying he's here to dominate. Like, it's not about trading punches. It's about dominating. And so that I'm excited to see that. And I'm excited at the idea that he really like he he has a lot to prove. Mm-hmm. Um, and he clearly wants to become known as like talked about in that same breath as other as, as elite left tackles. So I'm excited for that. But I didn't see as much of that communication stuff as I would have expected. You can tell he's a cerebral player who I think quite often when we have people with singular physical characteristics and in him, it's the fact that he's ginormous, right? Mm-hmm. We don't tend to think of players like that as being cerebral because, I don't know, it's just almost something we've been taught. Maybe it's because guys that make it to that level um, that don't have those characteristics usually have to be a lot smarter because, you know, otherwise they they don't make it. Um, or they have to have some, some mental edge, whatever. They're all physically talented, but whatever. Um, it's kind of similar to how people don't seem to always want to give Mahomes credit, at least until recently, how smart he is. It's like, oh, the arm, oh, the, you know, all this stuff. With Brown, because he's so huge and he's so imposing, it's, people don't seem to give him credit for how cerebrally he approaches the game. And you can see that reflected in the way that he utilizes his own skill set and the way his quarterback moves really, really well. Nate, do you have anything on Brown before we move to Niang? Um... Not, no, I think, I think Seth is obviously the best at sort of doing this where, um, you know, trying to understand what you're watching in real time and then understanding sort of the thought process is obviously, as he mentioned, very intriguing to me. Um, I just want to add really quickly that, you know, 
for as much balance as the Chiefs are trying to um, reach and achieve, it's harder to do that when naturally you're like, wow, we're down 8 nothing before we ever touch the football, mm-hmm. um, let alone down 15-3. And it's like, woo, okay. Hey, where are all the plays that we know work? <laughs> so, <laughs> so like it was. It's it's going to be interesting. Like, say if the game Sunday against the Ravens is more at the Chiefs' tempo, or they sort of set the parameters uh, a little bit to their advantage. Like, say, I mean, if the Chiefs usually win the call coin toss, Andy Reid usually defers because he just loves having the ability to present adjustments with the first drive of the third quarter, which makes a lot of sense analytically. It's sound. Um, Let's say the Chiefs stop the Ravens at some point on their first drive, or they start with the ball because the Ravens choose to defer as well. Um, it'll be fascinating to see like where the balance is to where maybe Orlando Brown isn't on such an island when like the defense knows like, hey, we have an eight point advantage that probably leans us to believe that they're going to pass the ball more, which is correct. Um, you know, the one sack that he did give up to Miles Garrett was third and ten in the fourth quarter. Uh, we know the Chiefs are passing the ball, even though they have the lead, um, because they're obviously trying to maintain possession to run the clock out. Um, and so, as Orlando said yesterday on Wednesday, certain situations, certain down and distances, obviously what the scoreboard tells you, um, will work into everything that he and Pat are discussing in the huddle or understanding what Eric Bieniemy's calling from the play standpoint, and then obviously what you present to the opposing defense. Now, From a schematic standpoint, watching the All-22 on Wednesday. That's right, kids. I saw the (laughs) (gasps) All-22. One of my favorite plays was something that just wasn't. It's not reflective in the box score because it's one of the few times Joe Tooney made a mistake because he was holding. Um, Mm -hmm. So I'm going to, I'm, I'm, I'm clicking the play right now. I'm rolling through it. I just want to describe it to you. It's a lovely Spread, empty formation. Kelsey comes in making, you know, clowny believe, oh, is he going to go to the more traditional tight end position? Um, At the same time, Tyreek Hill is basically shifting to be more closer to the slot. But he's more like an H-back now. It's one of the more fun, and maybe I'll screenshot it and put it out here in a little bit on Twitter when, when we know the episode's out. And then for some reason, it's like, Daryl Williams is the X? (laughs) (laughs) And so, again, it's in the red zone. You know it's a fun formation. And every, and like, you can see the, you can see the Browns pointing like, hey, hey, what what, what is this? (laughs) And then Patrick says, okay, Daryl, come on in. And so Daryl motions back into the backfield. And you think, oh, is he going back to where the running back normally is on a shotgun formation? No, that's a trick. He is jet sweep chip blocking Miles Garrett. And whoo, did he put his entire body in the Miles Garrett and wiped him off the play. And you could tell from Andy Reid, Mike Kafka, Eric Bieniemy, and Patrick Mahomes, this was the play that was supposed to get us a touchdown because we've removed Miles mm-hmm. Garrett from the equation. And uh, shout out to the Browns. They cover everybody. They double team Hardman. They double team, uh, you know, the. Uh, I think the other receiver is. Um, I think it's Demarcus Robinson. Travis Kelsey is in sort of this no man's land where there's clearly two defenders in the middle of the field. Um, Patrick scrambles. Kelsey completely, you know, flips his hips. It's a completion. It's as close as you could get. I think he was down at the two yard line, but mm-hmm. but Joe, but Joe Tooney held. So yeah, I just want to know how many of those kind of plays are are designed or concepts are around to help Orlando Brown when you know you're facing one of the best you know, edge rushers. This is something, if you were like Joey Bosa coming up in week three, if I see a formation similar to this, how how much will the Chiefs try to use that um, when you're trying to flip the math in your advantage? Uh, Seth, you want to give us what you got on Lucas Niang? Absolutely. Uh, with Niang, the, the, the report, what I found, it, it's not quite as optimistic, but it's still decent. Um, I would I would phrase him as having a game that I would call average, which as a rookie in your first start, Clowney is a unique opponent to go up against. Um, average, I'll take average. Um, he also 
So what I would say with Niang, you can see the the foot speed and his size. It's it's a rare combination. You can see why he was considered a top tier prospect before playing out that final year in college injured, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it's just not a lot of guys who are as big as him and as strong as him can move like him. What will be interesting with him moving forward is he's got to improve a little bit on his speed of recognizing some gamesmanship up front. And I'm curious if the Ravens are going to attack him with stunts. Because he's been slow recognizing stunts that loop around to the outside. Trey Smith's done a great job passing them off, but that's that's been an issue. So it's something they'll have to address. Um, the other thing that he's going to need to work on, he does allow guys to, to disengage, slide off, or power through him a little bit more than you'd expect with a guy of his size and length. And a lot of that's a hand placement issue, and and you can almost see him not quite feeling it when they're they're. Uh, I don't mean like oh, he's not feeling it, but I mean like he's literally doesn't quite. Um, I don't know how to describe this unless like you've wrestled or played line or you know what I mean or or played even played played defense on someone playing basketball. You can feel what direction they're going to go, right? You can feel that shift mm-hmm. in weight. And you can see that he's still working on recognizing that the way that Brown does when guys are about to cut inside. Because a couple of times Niang lost was on guys powering through him and cutting inside. And that's obviously with how the Chiefs are trying to play it. That's going to be a sack a lot of the time. With the plan is, you know, hey, drop back nine yards, then step up. If guys beat get beaten to the inside, that's going to be a real problem. Now, that might sound like a lot of pessimistic stuff that I've said, but that was only to get the bad stuff out of the way. He did a lot of good stuff. Um, overall, his loss percentage was acceptable. He played pretty well. Um, he doesn't get quite the same curve that Brown does because I, I, Niang hardly ever matched up against Garrett, like at all. Um, whereas Brown was up against him pretty much the whole game. Um, the interesting thing with Niang, he played well. I think he's going to get the job done in pass protection. I think it's only going to get better because the stuff he needs to improve on is all stuff that can come with time, right? There's no physical limitation there. And it doesn't look like he has the ability to do it. It looks like he just needs a little more experience. The, the thing that's interesting was watching when they committed to it a little bit and, We'll see what direction they go with it. But when him and Trey Smith need to move some dudes to gain a few yards, they can move some dudes. Mm. And it is, it's fun to watch a couple times, you know, in the second half where they just basically, like, well, what we're going to do is we're going to hand the ball off and we want Trey Smith and Lucas Niang to move these guys like five yards. And they were like, okay. And then they did. And there's a lot more power on that right side of the line than what we're used to seeing with the Chiefs. And I'm really curious how that looks like moving forward. They had a couple of runs that got stuffed and a couple that that really shouldn't have in terms of um, execution and kind of, you know, Brown working on timing with Tooney, stuff like that. But the raw material for them to run the ball well in the situations where they need to is there. And you did see that a little more in the second half in some of the times where they did try to loosen some things up over the top. Um, now, whether that really succeeded in loosening up over the top is a conversation for another day. But he adds something to the run game, much like Smith, that they haven't had in a while. And that's good to see because the more varied you are, obviously, the better off you are. Anything on any of that, Nate? Or do you want to move into... I want to get a little bit of time to talk about some of the pressers from the last couple of days and then get kind of our final send-off on, on Chiefs-Ravens. That's sort of... There's my plan. What do you want to do? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I, I appreciate that. I just think for Lucas Niang, it's going to be... How much does he grow from week one to week 18, I guess now, um, yeah. in a 17-game season? Like, how much improvement? How much growth? What are his habits, especially in stressful situations? That's something to all watch. But... Um, you know, I've said it before and I'll say it again for especially maybe for Lucas Niang, just because obviously that defender has a clear sight line of, of Patrick Mahomes. If he continues to to die a slow death to just hold that guy off that one second longer, um, I think the Chiefs offense will be fine. Um, it's just for him and, and as long with, you know, Trey Smith and, and Creed Humphrey. As much as they improve together, as much as they see the same things and they make the right protection calls, which is the one maybe monkey wrench in all of this against the Ravens, it's like, hey, if the Ravens blitz or show something that's unscouted for this particular offensive line, there may be a little bit more success there just because those guys haven't had the same experience as previous Chiefs offensive linemen in the past. Mm -hmm. But um, 
for Lucas Niang, how much do you improve in September? And obviously tracking that in October and obviously moving forward. But um, it's a fine start because I think if you ask Chiefs fans, hey, do you give up two sacks to a defensive line that we all believe is pretty good or above average? Um, most of those times you're probably going to say that's okay just because that gives Mahomes more opportunities to sort of move around and obviously make something happen, even when it's not within the framework of the offense. Uh, give me what you like that we haven't talked about from the last couple of days of press conferences. Today we had some real treats. We had Eric Bieniemy telling us that he is where his feet are yes. uh, in regard to the USC job. Then he later told us that he is where his feet are. Um, and then later uh, you asked him about it again, and he said, you know, no disrespect, but you can all go to hell if you're going to keep asking me about uh, head coaching questions. That was mostly a paraphrase by me. And also that he is where his feet are. Um, so that was one clear highlight. Anything else jump out to you from the last couple of days? Yeah, I, I just think Tyron Matthews' importance. You know, so much of this job is just trying to learn and understand, uh, obviously, the guys on the team and, and where things may move forward. Um, it obviously tore up Tyron not being able to play. Um, obviously, the Chiefs view the whole season versus just a yep. home opener in, in keeping him out of the lineup. But, I mean, Steve Spagnuolo was quite honest, Josh, in telling us that this guy is very important, um, one of the most important defensive players he's ever gotten to coach and, and be around. And so, you know, maybe we look back at the home opener a month from now and we just have a different vantage point because so much of the miscommunication and so much of the, hey, Everybody knows where they're supposed to be just because I'm that important to the defense. And it's clear that Spagnuolo has given, has given a lot of control to Tyron in terms of what the look is on the field. He mentioned Anthony Hitchens kind of having a similar role. Mm-hmm. But that the Chiefs really, really miss Tyron Matthew. And so, of course, this kind of delves into the idea of like, hey, are y'all going to pay this man? Um, <laughs> which, you know, is its own thing. But... For the context of this defense right now in this season, um, Tyrus Matthew value went up, even mm-hmm. though he didn't play. And that's you usually don't say that about a, a player in, within the framework of an NFL season. I did think it was super duper interesting that he also kind of, on his own accord mentioned Anthony Hitchens there. It made me it just for for at least a brief second made me reconsider sort of this Nick Bolton over Anthony Hitchens sort of replacement plan for 2022 because if you know if if Spags really is thinking about how Matthew and Hitchens are two of the most vital players he's ever had in his defenses throughout his coaching career. You you don't move on from either of those guys lightly, which is again, you gotta pay the man. And then also how how eager are they actually to get Hitchens's cap number moved next year? I, I did think I thought that was very interesting. Yes, yeah. correct. I completely agree. Um just because when things sort of break down or when you see something that you just you can't prepare for because again uh, as Spagnuolo mentioned, the, the the Browns offense is so much different from the Chiefs offense, and you're getting an even more starker version with the Ravens coming up in, in some regards. So, uh, you know, I also find it interesting, too, and we should make this a, a brief little thing. Uh, I put it on Twitter, but yes, um, it's year three, and McCall Hardman misidentified his helmet. He was wearing Tyreek Hill's helmet on the punt return. Uh, you hope that's the only the only mistake of that kind you, you find all season because, you know, first game mistakes. It's not an awesome look. It's not. It's, it's not. It's not necessarily what you want in um, three. Yeah. In, in terms of guys who want to show a little bit more in, in week two, uh, McCole Hartman's up there. Eric Bien-Ami, um, former running back, I thought put – a lot of onus on Clyde Edwards Alaire not getting as many rushing yards as as possible. Um, mm-hmm. He kind of he kind of hedged it, and I'll say, hey, we got a new offensive line. You know, they're gonna we're gonna you know correct some things. But uh, Eric Bieniemy usually doesn't criticize Clyde Edwards Alaire openly, um, and that was a, that was a that was a sharp little you know, hey, make sure this is better in week two. Mm-hmm. Also, this is getting extremely. Uh, it's self-involved for me because I just keep bringing up the things that I asked about, but it's also the things that I thought were interesting, so what am I going to do? Go for um, it! 
it, I, I just thought it was interesting to to look back at the snap counts where Clyde got something like 75% of the snaps. Yes. Darrell Williams got a small handful of reps, mostly, I think, on, on third and long-ish, if memory serves. And Jarek McKinnon got like three or four snaps. Yes. And so I asked I asked Bienemy about that also and, and, you know, if that is the plan going forward or if that was just sort of a um, a product of the situation. And to be honest, his answer kind of gave me the vibe that it was a little bit of both. That, I mean, they are going to, like, Clyde is clearly the number one guy, but, like, McKinnon getting almost no work at all was surprising to me. And that bummed me I, out. I don't, yeah, me too. And I, I don't know that... Um, I don't know that I would take his answer, you know, at face value. Regardless, I I don't I wasn't really expecting to get you know the full game plan for the f- next seventeen weeks of football, but it's something to keep an eye on to see if that is a pattern over the next several weeks or if it ends up being an outlier. Just something to something to put a pin in. Yep. Yeah, and and you know, uh, if Tommy Townsend drops a punt, Dave Toe says you better find a way to kick that thing. We, yes, <laughs> we will not have what. Uh, the Cleveland Browns had to go through. So there are crowds, you know, it may be loud, hectic, chaotic. Uh, if Tommy Towns is near uh, the, the Chiefs end zone that they're defending. But, you know, if you drop the punt, pick it up and punt it again. Even If you got yeah, the space I, to do it. I still, it's days later and I still can't believe that punter. He had, and, and look, this is very easy for me to say because that has to be so scary. Um <laughs> But he had time when he picked it up. Yes. Just pooch it. Yeah. Yes. Just any kick, anything is better. Throw it incomplete. Almost anything is better than what he did. Yeah. Tobe, and, Tobe said he panicked. He didn't want to say he panicked. But, but he, he panicked. He said he panicked. He panicked. He also said they weren't rushing on that on that punt, which it didn't even cross my mind. I think he said they were rushing, but they always send one guy, basically in case that happens. And it, the punter panicked. Yeah. And that's exactly what happened. And it's going to happen. I mean, I would panic literally every time that I punted <laughs> if I was a punter. But, I mean, you you got to pick it up and pooch kick it because, sure, maybe it only goes 25, 30 yards. But that's a lot more than what happened. So yeah. I, I, I'm curious what happens. Clyde Edwards-Alaire is definitely a guy to keep an eye on. He left some meat on the, on, on, on the bone there. I will say the one snap that made the rounds on Twitter, we don't have time to go through. But... Anytime you take a screenshot that's taken a, like, you know, two tenths of a second yes. after the runner cut back inside, that's not fair. The defender and, and people that don't know what I'm talking about, fine, whatever. People who do a lot of Twitter, let me just tell you the defender flashed his helmet to the outside. Most running backs are taught to cut back inside away from the flashing helmet, and that's exactly what he did. Now, did there were there other runs that that he left meat on the bone? Yes. But that particular run, that was a really unfair thing that happened with Clyde there. But that said, it's good that there's some heat on him. They they spent the first round pick on him. He's supposed to be a playmaker. He had a couple plays where he created some yards. But you don't ideally take a guy at 32 to only create, you know, 15 yards in a game, right? You you want him to be creating Are in you? terms of creating yards. You want to see 50 created yards, right? Um, which is a lot, believe me. I'm talking like actual created yards. Take it, take it, so, take a deep breath, Josh. Take a deep breath. Well, I'm yeah, just, Nate. Did I'm you know they spent a first round pick on him? Just, just take a deep breath. No, I'm just, I bet I'm they just, probably had some cornerbacks that were available at the time. I'm just scrolling through Twitter, man. I'm just looking at Twitter. I don't know. I'm, I'm playing. I'm playing Pokemon Go. I don't even yeah. know. What Seth, I don't even know what Seth's talking about. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well, hey, you know when when when. Uh, you know, it's always a nice reminder when you haven't watched football uh, since February, and this mm. is like the real thing. And even for a running back who we are, you know, giving a small little bit of criticism to, um, man, NFL defenders are so fast. God, they're so <laughs> fast. It's like that hole's there. It's there. I want you to click the button and then click it. Oh, it's not there anymore. Yep. <laughs> so if you miss it, you know, and, and that's the hard thing about a running back. If you miss the hole initially, that thing is closing. So, um, hey, even for a professional athlete like Clyde Edwards O'Leary, gotta get a gotta get back adjusted to the speed of the game, working with some new offensive linemen, some new, you know, run blocking concepts. I I I would believe so as well. But man, I just I just sometimes wish we could do it, Seth, where we just like, all right, click, click, stop. Good, mm-hmm. good job, good job. You clicked it. All right, I want you to click it again, but you gotta you gotta click that thing like bye bye. Yeah, that hole's not there no more. Oh, it's it's incredible. I would love that for holes the running back should hit, 
And, oh, this guy was wide open like a second after the, the quarterback has released the ball. It's like these guys are in a completely different time zone Oof. by the time something like that happens. Their reaction time is so quick. But uh, that's all I know is that thank good. You know what? No, I'm not even going to. It was, too, <laughs> it, was it was too far. But I'm excited to see how it goes this next game. I, I've, I've got a lot of confidence that uh, this one might be a fun one. We'll see. Give me a score, Seth. You know, I, I counted on them to put up 40 against the the Ravens or the Browns, and they kind of let me down. And so a smarter man, a better man, would learn a lesson. But I'm doubling down. <laughs> I say they put up 41, and they give up 27. Uh, I wrote down 34-24. I just feel like the Ravens, I feel like the Chiefs have their number, and I feel like they're as banged up as any team can possibly be in League yeah. 2. Nate, give me your score and get us all the way out of here. Wrap up this episode. I'll tell you this. You can follow Nate on Twitter at ByNateTaylor. Seth is at RealMNChiefsFan. I'm at JB Briscoe. Here's the last prediction, the last word from the esteemed Nate Taylor. Yeah, I'm going to go with Chiefs 33, Ravens um, 24. Uh, and I'm being polite to the Ravens, perhaps. But also, I just, I just, want, I just want to let people know, when you watch the game on Sunday and it's third down, if they blitz more than four people, you are you should already know the end result of the play, unless something wildly drastic happens. Um, but look, if they blitz, I just want you to remember, Wink didn't have to do it. He didn't have to do it. He, he probably he probably. Stopped.